G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Sean. How are you Sean? Nervous Jared, I'm nervous. Uh, I did the only thing I know how to do to calm my nerves and I went deep in the stats. Deep in the stats, I was worried where you were going there, what you're doing, you know, <laughs> I was wondering where this was going to end up, but uh, I'd rather you be in the stats mate, so uh, good things. Um, you're nervous, I'm saying be fearless. That's what we named the podcast. I don't like get stuck in Celtic. Like, what's there to lose? But we'll discuss that a bit more in this episode, along with uh, some academy news, some Twitter questions. It's not been a lot going on this week because of the international break. So we'll just uh, get stuck in, have a bit of a chat, and hopefully we don't waffle on too long. So um, before we get going, if you're listening in and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast via your podcast app. If you like watching us on YouTube, please subscribe, hit the notification bell on there as well. And um, yeah, it'll help us grow the show and we appreciate your support. Also, you're tuning in live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Please get involved in the comments section. Put some comments there. Join in the discussion. More than happy to uh, have your input as well. So, Sean, you just said you're feeling nervous for the weekend. Yeah. Why? Uh, Jared, I'm always nervous before a Glasgow derby, uh, unless it's against Queen's Park or Partick Thistle or Clyde. Uh, but yeah, man, it's just too much trauma, too much. It's it's not quite PTSD, though. I'd uh, be flippant with a serious mental illness, but um, yeah, man, it's just in the past. Whenever I felt confident, that's when you get slapped, and it, you just get slapped out you so many times that now. I'm just nervous for the whole week before. And these inter- international friendlies have done nothing to take my mind off it. So I've actually had two weeks of nerves building up. You know, and, and I know we're in Australia, so we're less exposed. We don't have our colleagues giving us shit for two weeks or anything like that. But um, like you would have in Scotland. But we we do still have the exposure to the Scottish media. So, And they've been talking about it for two weeks so or 10 days now. So, yeah, nervous. That's where it's funny. Look for you. You're you're going one side of me. I'm I'm so relaxed. You know, if it's any more relaxed, I'll be laying down doing this podcast. Like, honestly, I'm not. I I get what's at stake, hundred percent. But I'm always the sort where I'm quietly confident. Our team's good enough to do the win, to go out there, do the business, get the win. We've got a good manager. We've got the players. It's all there to play for, and. Yeah, I just don't – I don't see the point me getting upset or wound up about it at this point in time on Wednesday because the game's not till Sunday. I'll get the nervous energy when I'm walking into the CSC in Melbourne to watch the game on Sunday, but at the moment, my nervous energy is not going to help the team in any way, so we crack on, get on with it. So where are you going to be watching the game from, Sean? Well – the supporters clubs uh, did have tickets available. Uh, we're in a bit of a restricted phase from COVID at the moment, but there's probably going to be, I think it's 150 people there. Uh, my mom's coming out next week, so I didn't want to be COVIDed out of seeing her for the first time in years. So I just, I'm just going to watch it at home or uh, my soccer club actually has a clubhouse. So I might uh, go down and stick it on there, see if I can get a couple of people around. But I, I, I'm avoiding going into a room of 150 people uh, when my mom's going to visit. 
Uh, I'll go for the next two. That's fair Where enough. Where are you watching? I'll be down the uh, Jockstein CSC in Melbourne, down at the Vine. Um, mm-hmm. We had a capacity, I think it was 200 or something like that, and it's all all done, full already. So, yeah, it's uh, good to see that people in Melbourne actually able to get out finally and get back to the CSC for the big games because it's been pretty average since then. And then also with us over here, you've got back in the UK, they've gone in into daylight savings last weekend. We come out of it this Sunday. So suddenly what's an 11-hour difference to us is now nine hours, so it's unbelievable. This is my happy, my happy stage of the season. Can't wait. Get to the pub, have a few drinks, have a sing-song because there'll be music on from about seven and watch the derby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got yeah. a 7 p.m. one here, so it's pretty sweet for us as well. It'd be nice if it was on a Saturday, but 7 p.m. is fine. If it was a Saturday, I'd, I don't know where I'd be sleeping, probably in a gutter somewhere. Let's yeah, be honest. exactly. Yeah. Your 100%, of man. Yeah. yeah, I'd be casino bound, no danger. Uh, I'd get a hotel room or whatever. Like, no, just... nah, it's, uh, it's all good, though. It's all good. So, got a couple of... Uh, Q&A questions that I asked for on our Twitter account about the Derby. So mm-hmm. I'll throw the first one from Willie to you because I want to get your take on this. So if we avoid defeat on Sunday, have we then got one hand on the title? This is one of the big questions I'm seeing floating around on Twitter, people talking about it on the articles, the fan media stuff, different pods are saying the same, asking the same question. What's your take, Sean? Yeah, it's the old you don't like count your chickens thing, but um, I'm going to say no. But I will say if sorry, it was a question avoid defeat or win. If we win, if we win, sorry, oh, uh, sorry, if we avoid win. sorry, avoid okay. defeat. Avoid defeat, definitely no. Uh, that's just to drop in two draws, and if they went out, then you know. So if we draw and then draw another two games and they went out, that's we've lost it. So no, I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. No. If we win, on the other hand, um, we're six points clear with the extra point of goal difference. Then I'm saying we've got three fingers on the cup, not a full hand, but three fingers. We're like, you know, we've got a kind of, yeah, yeah, got you. You know, <laughs> just starting to go around the handle to grab onto it. Yep, gotcha. Yeah, for me, but no, a draw, no, definitely not. Yeah, for me, I think it's winnable. We get the win, as you said, six points clear plus the goal difference. That puts it to seven, the equivalent of seven points. We have to drop two and draw another in the remaining five games for them to win it. And then we win all of them. So that's pretty much how it's going to sit. And one of them's a derby against us anyway. So if we win, if yeah. we win that, it's game over. The second, the derby after the split, if this happens, if we win both. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as, you know, if we win this, great. If we draw, that's the worst case scenario because I look at it and go, when we're playing each other in these games, the draw becomes, it's basically a wash, especially at their place where they get a point, we get a point. We still have the three-point margin. That's the game at Ibrox over and done with. And we're left with the whole, we're running out time on them in terms of, okay, now they only have five games to try and close that gap. So worst case scenario, a draw is what we need. Now, Ange said during the week that in a press conference earlier in the week that we're going to go and have a fitting can crack at it. We're going to go there to win. Of course, Ange is going to say that. And of course, 
as fan base, that's what we want to hear. If you were in the manager's chair, Sean, because, you know, we're, all, we're armchair experts over here in Angers country of Australia, what lineup would you go with? Uh, yeah, the back five, the goalkeeper and the four defenders, is. we already know what that's going to be. It's going to be Taylor, Carter Vickers, Starfelt and uh, Juranovic with Hart in behind them. Uh, I don't see him doing the levy thing and putting Ralston in for physicality. I don't see that really happening. Uh, Sevco are more of a pacey team than a physical team. Um, so that's, you know, do you, do you disagree with that? Do you, you got any consenting opinion on that, the back five? For me, back five is, yeah, as, as you've said there, it's going to be Hart, Taylor, the Carter Vickers and Starfelt, and then you'll have Juranovic right back. That's the way I'm looking at it. I agree so, with yeah, you 100%. You're not, you're not going to put Ralston in. Yeah. You keep him off the bench. So, so it gets less sure when you go into the midfield. And obviously, Callum McGregor's definitely going to start. So the question is just who's your left and right centre mids. Uh, in an ideal world, you'd have Tom Rogic, but an unfit Tom Rogic could be he's quite out. a hindrance. So a he yeah, he's out. Oh, crap. Okay. It's so that's it's that during the week uh, that he's pretty much not going to make it. So I don't know if that's Ange playing games or what the goal is, but from all reports, he's out. Right, yo. Okay, so it's two out of O'Reilly, um, Hatati, and Turnbull. Um, oh, yeah, Turnbull's re- back. So, yeah, Turnbull's back, yeah. Uh, it'll probably, in that case, if Rogic out, it's probably going to be O'Reilly and Hatati. Although Hatati just played for Japan and is flying back. And he played 45 minutes there and he's on his way back. Hmm. If you want me to give you the rundown of uh, guys that what international minutes they've played this week, I can give you that if that'll help. Make it a bit easier for you? Sure, go ahead. All right, so Jack and Mac has played 35 minutes for Greece on Monday. Tade, 45 minutes for Japan on Tuesday. Welsh, 50 minutes on Tuesday in the under-21s. And then apparently he's done, he's done either his groin or his hammy, so he's out. Mm-hmm. Ranovic was rested, didn't play. Abada, 90 minutes in the under-21s for Israel. O'Reilly played 20 minutes for Denmark under-21s. Starfelt didn't play. And Taylor and McGregor didn't play. I think uh, Juranovic, Taylor, and McGregor played last week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they rested this week. They're going to come in. Yeah. Basically, like playing a club game, in my opinion, where it doesn't matter if you've gone off played for your country, you played one game last week. You're coming back to play one game this week. So for me, that's irrelevant. There's trouble. Right. What do you do? Mm, yeah. I mean, O'Reilly's definitely going to start then. And uh, I think we'll probably go with Hitati. Um, Rather than Turnbull, because just because Hitati's more of a ball winner than Turnbull is. I mean, when I was doing this stats dive, I got to see the Turnbull highlights from the first half of the season, and I forgot just how good he was. Like, he was pinging, he scored three long-range efforts, he was putting all these assists in, these crosses. He was pretty sensational in the highlights reel. Uh, But I don't think uh, a not-match-fit Turnbull gets parachuted in ahead of Hitati for... Ibrooks. I think it's McGregor, O'Reilly, and Titati. Yeah, for me, I'm stuck I'm sticking with what I said on Axon on Friday when I was on. The question mark for me, you said your question mark is going to be O'Reilly or Turnbull, right? Uh no, I think O'Reilly will start. It's Hitati or yeah. Turnbull. Okay, Hitati or Turnbull. My question mark was Hitate or Piton. 
Because oh, yeah, yeah. Rang- the reason I'm saying that is because Rangers are, are pretty big and they're good from set pieces. So maybe we put Biton in the six and we put Kelmack up into an eight and play O'Reilly in the 10 so that we've got mm-hmm. a bit more height for their set pieces. That's the only question for me. But it's going to be three of those four. It's either going to be Kelmack, Atate, and O'Reilly, which is what started at, at Celtic Park when we smacked them last time. Or if Atate doesn't pull up well after coming back from Vietnam, then I'd be putting Biton in, pushing McGregor forward, and off we go. Um, so I'm saying we have the same midfield three as the last one, the last derby. Yeah, me too. That's Biton, what I'm and, Biton and Turnbull come off the bench. Both yeah. of them. I like that they give us options. They give yeah. us an attacking option and a defensive option, so that's good. I would rather that. Um, I'm going to bring up a, a uh, comment here for you. I agree with what you're saying here, Bobby. Shows up. There we go. If we take our top game to Castle Grayskull on Sunday, we will win. It's true. Yeah, we, we talked about this last week, but we put too much emphasis on the intangibles, like travel and uh, like rest time and all that sort of thing. When in reality, 90% and referees as well. And, and in reality, 90% of the team that comes out on top is just from being the better team on the day. And so, and probably, Martin, yeah. Martin's comments we didn't play too bad there at the beginning of the season without a lot of the current side. Mm-hmm. Correct. We lost what was at 1 0. And uh, yeah, and Edward missed that sitter. Edward missed the absolute sitter. And we, yeah, I thought we, we were the better team for at least 45 minutes of that game. So, yeah, now you look at it. You've got Jack and Mackerson, he's playing well. You've got Jota. You've got a whole bunch of guys there who have got used to the league, got used to playing together, understand their system better. I'm not worried at all in terms of I trust Ange and the players are going to go out and give their best best effort that they can do. Like what happens, happens. But I've got a, another question here for you, Sean. Mm-hmm. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but James Murphy commented, and I've already said my bit on this, but should we go all out for the win on Sunday, which will probably make us champions, or do we accept the draw and move on? Now, I've already addressed that from my point of view and so have you, but the second part of the question is what I'm wanting to hear from you. Has the game come too soon for Kyogo, or is it worth the gamble to play him from the start? Now, apparently, he's been back in training during the international break, so what's your take on that? From what I've heard, he didn't take any part in the bounce game. So I'm saying there's no chance that he plays. Uh, I think he maybe, or at least starts, he maybe goes on the bench uh, as a bit of a psychological edge to say, here he is, we've got him ready. But I think unless we're losing one now and maybe he comes on for the last 15 minutes, I don't see him coming on the pitch. Uh, if you're not fit enough to play in that bounce game against Motherwell, you definitely don't start at Ibrooks a week later um, in my and that's my opinion on that uh, and I think Maeda has done a great job in the left wing recently so he'll stay there I think Jota owes us one against Sevco. he's not quite uh, done it yet against Barisic even though Abada did a good job against him so I think Jota does owes one and yeah Jackamakis I don't think you can drop him um, I think he's been great lately and uh, yeah I think it'd be pretty harsh to drop him and and also, I actually think that he'll he will score, and I think he will score off a Alan McGregor fumble, Jack Amakis. Because again, what, when I was doing my stats dive, I was watching back a lot of the goals, 
and the amount, not just the goals, but the highlights. And his following rate is unbelievable. So like, there's been a few goals very recently where he's got off goalkeeper fumbles, and it's just he's just always falling in. Just as soon as that shot's hit, he's falling in. And I think that's something that's coached into him because Kyogo used to do the same as well before he was injured. So I can see Alan McGregor having a fumble and Jack and Marcus scoring one from that. It's a big thing in Ange coach, coach teams where he always teaches guys to be there in case you need it, not because you need it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if a shot goes in or someone puts a low cross in, you make that run to the back post in case you need it and the ball comes through so you can tap it in, not because you need it to be there because it's guaranteed to get through. Like it's it's something that all Angus teams, I've heard him say that before That's and that's stuck in my head. Like that was something that he used to be preach on about all the time when he was here at Melbourne Victory and then when he was the Australian manager. So, yeah, it's um, I think the front three is going to be, as you said, Jack and Marcus middle, Maeda out left, Jodder out right, and as I said before the derby last time, the, the thing for them is they're at home. They're chasing now. They're at home this time around. But the thing I said is their left and right backs are there to be got at because they like to sit back and then bomb forward. And if you've got Maeda with his speed and you've got Jota with his creativity out wide and those guys can push on and get in behind then and turn those guys around, then suddenly the defensive line looks shaky. I know when you've got a big fox in the box there like um, Jack and Marcus who can cause all sorts of mayhem from the penalty spot in, then, um, yeah, could be a long night for their centre-back pairing. So Yeah, hope so. And we don't actually know who their centre-back pairing is going to be. They've been really changing it up uh, with Goldson's obviously been in there for every game, but they've been had, they've had Holander, had Balogun and they've had John Lundstrom. Is that John? John? Is that his first name? Yeah, anyway, they've had those three interchanging, even within games, uh, as the second defender. So, can I say uh, something? Sounds familiar. No. Last year, that was us all last season. We had Chris Iyer in, and then the other position just kept rotating, whether it was Welsh, whether it was Duffy, whether it was Viton playing there. Mm-hmm. No stability in your back line. Suddenly, uh, and come back and catch her. And they've even been rotating at left back as well because they're chopping and changing between Barisic and Bassey. And I think Bassey will start after what happened to Barisic in the last derby. Um, but again, I think he's is he there. See, back out of someone's pocket, is he? <laughs> Barisic, yeah, he, he, he's had a couple of games, but yeah, he was obviously in uh, psychological quarantine for a while, you know. Um, but yeah, I think Bassey starts. Yeah, but he's got a mistake in him as well. Yeah, I think the key thing with them is they have to come and play us. They have they can't sit back. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they play against us the way they did against Dortmund, and I've heard people saying this, that, oh, we're going to struggle. I don't see it because against Dortmund in Europe, there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. You wake up the next morning, that team's not in your country. Against us, they wake up the next day, they've got to go into the office and go around the water cooler with people who support Celtic. They've got to go in on the Monday and be like, you know, wherever they go, it's going to be in the newspaper. It's going to be everywhere if Celtic wins. So they've got to come out and play. They can't just sit back. And when they do, not only are they going to look to come on the counter, we've got the speed to get back at them as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be a good game. 
I think this has got all the hallmarks that it could easily be one of those games we spoke about pre-season where Andrew's teams will, will go out and win 5-3. But at the same time saying that, now it's probably it's also got the ability to be a nervy 1-0 or a 2-0 sort of thing or a 2-1 or whatever. So this game could be anything. I just hope we go and absolutely pump them. I reckon it'll be one one each. I think it's going to end up with this, like the last game could have ended up like in a sliding doors moment where we're killing them one now and then we, we don't capitalise on all the chances. And then in the second half, they've come flying out of the traps and they eventually pressure tells and they get a goal and then the game just gets a bit scrappy and finishes one each. Um, that's what I reckon. I reckon we 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 go in one 0 at half time, having totally dominated, feeling confident, and then they come flying in the second half. In about seventy minutes, they get a an equaliser, and then Ange makes some subs, and then the game gets seen out at one each. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go the opposite then, Sean, just because you've gone the you know the pessimistic one there of a one all or whatever, and we haven't even touched on Willie Collum as the ref as well, so. <laughs> Um, that's a whole nother can of worms together to to talk about if we want to, but I don't want to go tinfoil hat too much on it. We're, we're missing Liam for that. So, um, could be worse. That's all I'm saying. Could be a lot worse, but yeah, for me, I'm looking at it going, I've been saying we could batter. We've been waiting to batter a team and no, what better to do it than now at Ibrox in front of their fans? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to say it just, just, so we've got a contrast here. You're saying a one-all draw. I'm saying we're going to batter them 4-2. Okay. Take that. There'll be a few goals in it. There'll be yeah. goals in it. So they've got to come out and play. If you're trying to chase points. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, definitely. I don't. Uh, if we're behind at any point, I don't see that kind of outcome But because uh, they'll shut up shop if they get a lead. But uh, if we can get in front, yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah, we'll just... Uh, I have to get the early goal, but it is what it is. I'd love to know your score predictions, anyone, those watching in the comments, so please let us know. Now, Sean, you, you've mentioned a couple of times about the uh, the form stats that you've looked into for us going into yep. this. So I'll let you run this and I'll just react to whatever you're saying. Uh, yeah, um, I'll post it up on the, the website later. So if anyone's struggling to... Tune into the numbers. You can have a look. Um, I'm mainly focused on the domestic form. Uh, and when I was looking at Celtics, it looks like you can kind of you can break it into two if you want. But there's also th- if you have the two teams together, the season kind of breaks down into three parts. So if you look at Celtics form up until uh, we won away to Aberdeen, so before that, we were we'd only won uh, domestically 55 percent of our games. And then if you count from the Aberdeen win to the New Year break, uh, we won 86.7% of our games. So a big jump. And then since the turn of the year, uh, this year, we're actually on 93% domestic wins. So it's just been getting better and better uh, across the season. And if you look at Sevco's form across the same spell uh, and the same three spells, they were at 78 uh, in the first third, 79% in the middle third. And then since New Year, they've been on 64% for wins. So they're 
they were pretty steady in the first half of the year, but they've tailed off in the second half of the year. And that appears to be down to really uh, score draws that are killing them. It's given us a chance to get top of the table. Um, I also looked at home and away domestic form to see since as in Celtic away and Southcote home. And it does seem to be a bit of an even 85% uh, away for Celtic and 83% at home for Sevco. So you could call it a bit of a score draw there um, in terms of season form. Uh, uh, does that tie in with what with a non-stat observation of the season, Jared? Yeah, I don't know. No? I'm trying to make trying to get me get me head around these numbers you're saying. Well, we've been improving, so we've yeah, we've gone. been improving. They've been tailing off. So, based yeah. on that, I think we're heading in the right direction. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I still think we're going to win, but it's not going to be easy. The stats say it should be a draw, but they also say we've been much better and getting much better. And even if you look at in terms of scoring goals in the first half of the year, we were on two point two nine goals per game and the second half of the year we're on 2.57 goals per game uh we're relying less on defenders to score goals now uh, in this half uh and also in terms of set pieces first half of the year below average second half of the year above average that's what happens uh, when you actually have strikers like yeah, as we have the start of, going at the start of the year let's be honest here when Kyogo went off with his injury right who was our second striker because of all the other injuries that we had? Uh, Abada. Either Johnny was it Johnny Kenny? Johnny or Kenny. Yeah, yeah we had Kenny Abada. Or the other young Irish kid that we just signed. I can't remember which one. Uh, I think it's Johnny Kenny. Yeah, him and yeah. Abada played up front against him. Yeah, so those guys played striker. Let's be honest. And now since then, what do we got? Your Jack and Marcus has come. He's got form. You've got um, Maeda. You've got. Forrest is back who can play through the middle a bit. You've got so many options. A barter, he can keep doing it. So now we've got that, we've got that many different uh, options. It's, yeah, we're on, we're on a good track here. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And another the other thing that jumped out at me as well was I looked at long-range goals. So in the first half of the season, uh, we were uh, 9.8% for long-range goals. And in the second half, 22.9%. And the average... Uh, outside of Scotland is 15 to 18%. So, again, below average and above average in the second half of the year. Where's Ryan Christie? <laughs> well, yeah, he, he's, he didn't have any. It was actually Turnbull and Rogic got them the majority and then Hitati yeah. and O'Reilly in the second half. I just half. Had, to, had to say that, take the piss. But <laughs> well, yeah, he, does he get uh, one a year, something like that? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows, to be honest with you, but no, it's like... I actually don't mind it. Like, look at the way we play, and it actually makes sense when teams are sitting so many guys back in like a block of five. Mm-hmm. Then it's actually making sense to take a long shot every now and then because even if you don't get it on target because a defender gets in the way, and with a guy like Jack Amakis who's just dangerous inside that six-yard box on the penalty box or whatever to the penalty spot and everything, he's just like if you take a shot and a defender deflects it, and you've got him in there. We'll knock a few of them in. So it's kind of, you know, have a shot. And worst case scenario, you have Jack and Marcus in there to try and get another shot. And, and look, I think we've said it before, like if like you touch through there, if you're playing against a low block, you, 
you can't just play through the channels, you know, you have to awesome, have these, it? yeah, but set pieces or long range, you know, you have to have something to mix it up. And it looks like we found that in the second half of the season, uh, based on the stats anyway. And and we've not all season, we've not had a single goal from a direct free kick. Oh, we're due then. We're due. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You're on the it's happening. Get yeah, it done. Yeah. Stats have to average out at some point, right? Exactly. So, so uh, that was the offensive stats. I looked at the domestic ones, uh, defensive, uh, excuse me, done the attacking. So I also looked at the domestic defense. Uh, we conceded 22 goals all season. And it'd be no surprise to you that more than half of the goals were from set pieces. So 59%. Uh, and then of the open play goals, not set pieces, more than half of them were headers. So it seems that aerial presence is the vulnerability uh, for us. And apart from the aerial presence, uh, the majority of goals are coming between 50 and 70 minutes. So 55%, more than half all season have been between 50 and 70 minutes. And in the last 10 goals, 80% have been between 50 and 70 minutes. So it's that kind of second half, start of the second half, where we're conceding most of our goals. And again, most of them are from either set pieces or headers from open play. So it's the old fatigue window. Like, you know, you play your first half, you go into the sheds, you get a little break, you come out, you get that second wind, and then you your legs start to fall off the edge of a cliff and you run out of legs and you need to be replaced and that's where we're leaking goals. Okay, cool. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe we need to because Ange is quite bad for waiting until 70 minutes to make subs. Whereas, it's all the training matches, though. Is that, yeah, okay, fair enough. But yeah, it used to be you'd have this. Sorry, our managers are shocking for that. Like, yeah, I'll give you a few of them. You've got Ange does that all the time. Yeah, Kevin Musket when he was over at Melbourne Victory and now he's over at taking over from Ange in Japan. Same deal, doesn't like to make a sub between until 75 minutes to go on at the earliest. And then Australia during the week were playing in Japan and they had to get the win and the manager doesn't even make it, make his first sub until like the 75th minute or something like that. It's an Australian management thing. I don't get it. Makes yeah, no I don't either. That. Yeah, especially since Andrew's so big on sports science and you used to have Brendan Rogers who would say oh, sports science says sub sit 60 minutes no matter what. So... There's a disconnect there between two interpretations of sports science. And that's why we had the 60-minute Tam memes going around and everyone saying that about him. Yeah. And, well, look, these stats say we should be making the subs earlier, if I'm reading them correctly. Or maybe I'm just being biased in some way. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're always leading at halftime and teams come out in the second half. I don't know. Uh, but the other one, the other stat as well, was 73% of our goals have been conceded away from home. And 95% of them, so almost all, bar one, have been one-touch finishes. So there's only been one goal scored us against this season where the guy had time for a touch out of all the goals. Could you name it? (laughs) The one where they had time for a touch. Only one of the 22 goals domestically were conceded. There's only one goal the guy had a touch before he shot it's crazy though right 
Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I'm trying to figure out who that one was. Uh, it was Andrew Shinney for Livingston. So the oh, one okay. where he takes the touch past Stephen Welsh and rattles it across the goal. Okay, got you. Yeah, that's what I'm sitting there going, that's insane. I'm trying to figure out who that one. Yeah. See if I remember they're weighing one with someone out to beat someone. So no. every other goal was a penalty, a volley, or a header. One touch. Seems about right. It's crazy. I when I was like, because I was looking through it, I was like, wait, that's wild. Like nobody's nobody's had uh, none from outside the area, no direct free kicks. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's all the same thing. It's all set pieces, set piece headers and open play headers. Same, same time of game. I mean, look, they, they must be seeing the same things that I'm seeing here. I'm not, I can't, you know, it's, it's not, then it took me a few hours, but it, it's not exactly groundbreaking stats. Do you know what I mean? But the thing is, looking at that on paper and then going out on the pitch and carrying out the game plan oh, is a whole other thing. Like, mm-hmm. when you, Let's look at it this way. We go to Ibrox and there's, what, 50,000 of them and there's 700 of us in there and we get out and score an early goal and mm-hmm. the pressure just builds and builds and builds and builds on them. Do you really think that that's going to be – Is that could that work in our favour? Well, everyone seems to think so. That's why they call them the empty stadium champions or whatever, you know. Even their own captain says that their fans are hindrance to them. He writes it in the program notes. Idiot. Yeah. Uh, I think their goalkeeper called them effing arseholes last week. So called it with tennis balls or whatever it was. Yeah. Was or something, one or the other. Ah, uh, both. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I, I I think you're right. And also, one thing that didn't that I noticed, but that didn't come out in the stats, was that a lot of our recent goals have been quite scrappy, uh, as in. When I was looking through, there was a lot of them with no assists listed, as in like it's bounced off the goalkeeper or it's taken a deflection and fallen to a guy who was there, sort of thing. Like guys, basically Jack and Marcus and Maeda, just being in the right place at the right time, kind of thing, which we touched on earlier. And that's something that's gone up recently in terms of our goals. It's because old man McGregor, you know, he's getting the arthritis in the fingers and can't catch the ball as much anymore. <laughs> But even Segrist is flawless usually, like flapped one in front of us. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that was that was all the, my takeaways from the right. deep dive there. We'll uh, go through a couple of comments here. So um, Martin has given his score here, saying two one hoops for me. All pressure on them to get a result. Ange will have them well drilled. Seamus has said, as long as we don't lose Sunday, I'd be a happy man. Come two p.m. Yep. Then we've got a warning from the Highlands of Scotland from Billy. Oh, morning, Billy. Wonder whereabouts. I used to live in uh, Boat of Garton. And then, as long as we don't lose, we don't lose. The pressure will be too much for them in the remaining games. Agree with that. And then there's another comment here: the, the COVID nineteen closed door champions. Hmm. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, the pressure, psychological for them, not just the fact that they crumble under pressure, the fans get on their backs, but also they've got the distraction of Europe. I think they will get to the semi-finals um, unless they crumble prematurely, psychologically. Um, I think they'll get to the semi of semi, 
Is that the next one? Yeah, so they're in the quarters. Yeah. I think they'll get to the semi and face Leipzig and they'll be distracted by that as well as the other pressures. Don't know if my mic's picking it up, but if you hear a dog whimpering in the background having a sook, I apologise. He's uh, not liking that he's getting rained on at the moment. So, anywho, we'll get on with that. Um, next topic we had on the on the run sheet here was Celtic FC Academy to travel to Texas for the Generation Adidas Cup. Now, our under-15 and under-17 teams have been invited to a tournament to take place at the Toyota Soccer Centre in Frisco, Texas, from April 9 to 17. Uh, the Generation Cup is an elite youth tournament that hosts 80 professional academies from 10 countries spanning over four continents. All 28 major league soccer teams will be represented, and Celtic FC Academy will be making the journey, along with the world's other leading clubs such as Manchester United, Roma, Porto, and River Plate. Uh, we've been scheduled to play against Austin and Atlanta United first up. So that's on the press release from... Um, What's it called on the Celtic page? Competition format is 40 teams divided into 10 groups of four will compete in each of the two age divisions. Each team will play three get group matches to determine the qualification for the knockout round. 16 teams will qualify for the winner's side with winning teams advancing into a bracket-style elimination thing from there. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good thing to be involved in, to be completely honest with you. It's good to see our youth academy getting involved. Now, the MLS's actual website has said very similar. Um, and I'm looking here because I had other clubs who were listed in there. So it's got the it's got the MLS clubs and it's also got all the 10 teams from seven different Liga Mexico clubs will be there as well. So that's something that wasn't in the other one. But, yeah, it's going to be um good comment. So how to watch the games will be will be streamed via Twitch and on YouTube and details will be posted later on. So um, here we go. And they've got the under-17 international participants of Roma, River Plate, Celtic, CF Monterey, Mexico, Tijuana, Cruz Azul from Mexico, Flamengo, Brazil, Man United, Remo Stars Academy in Nigeria, and then Laguna Santo, Santos Laguna and Tigres from Mexico, right? So that's in under-17. And pretty much all the same clubs in the under-15s except Porto's in there and Roma's not. So, yeah, it's good to be involved at that sort of level. It's good recognition for our, our young players. And the question will be how many of our guys from the, who are in the current Colts squad will qualify for the um, under-17s team and will be off and going. So, Yeah, it's think- a few of them, yeah. We're talking for so long about our youth academy not getting games and not re- and our play losing youth players and they're not getting opportunities to go and play games and develop and suddenly we've got a Colts team in the Lowland League that they can play in and now we're getting invited to events like this. So it's a uh, my opinion, great opportunity for the uh, Celtic Academy teams and hopefully some of our players um, go over there do well and use as a launching pad to push further into the Colts and then up into the first squad or have to or go out on loan with a, with a pathway planned for them to come into the first team squad in the next few years. What's your take on that, Sean? 
Yeah, if we want to be te- persuading these players, like uh, was it Morrison and Hepburn, that we're big time and we can offer them as much as the likes of Bayern Munich, then this is certainly one of those feathers we can put in that cap. Uh, we're, I, I'm not saying that the Mexican teams are all big time, but you know, Manchester United are going and Porto and Roma. So these players, even if they, whether they think this is a prestigious tournament or not, they're going to have a good experience as much as you can in Texas. Uh, they won't be able to drink, but they'll certainly be out meeting new people and having a fun time and try to get their hole, I imagine. Uh, so it should be it should be good, yeah. Uh, I'd say most of them will probably get COVID at some point, but it's fine. They're, seven, they're 16. They'll be okay. They'll have a good time. Week off school. I don't know how the Easter holidays work over in Scotland. Maybe the... I don't know. But yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely... These are the sort of things we need to be participating in if we want our youth players to be taken as seriously and not going off to Liverpool and Bayern Munich. Yep, and the positive is, you know, with Frisco, being in Frisco, Texas, well, we've got we've got some good supporters clubs over there in Austin, Houston, Dallas, to name a few. There's a really good turnout for games. I've spoken to the guys at the Austin CSC for one of our um, Spotlight Series podcasts and them in the past. So there's a good turnout over there. There's good Celtic support in the area. So... You never know. Some of these guys may show up wearing the hoops to support the the future players coming through. And if they do, great. I'd want to see lots of photos from you guys and tag us in it on Twitter and everything because, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for the club. It's a great opportunity to see the next generation coming through. And, yeah, it's something that we need. Yeah, get some pyro stuff out, smoke smoke bombs and all that. Give them some first-team experience, yeah. And then we can send them over to Northern Ireland for a, a friendly, and somebody can throw a buckfast bottle at them. They need to lo- they need to know what it's like in the first team, you know. If they can duck the bucky bottle, they're good. Because <laughs> I think at the moment the the closest they get to this sort of thing is is it called the is it still called the milk cup, where you have Scotland, England, uh, Northern Ireland, and Wales under seventeens. Because that's the one wherever a player is coming through, you're like, oh, they played for Scotland in the Milk Cup, or you know, he was in the Scotland team that won the Milk Cup in 2000 and whatever, you know. Um, so to be honest, hopefully, Sean, I've never heard of the Milk Cup over here in Australia. Is it, is it still called that? There's, there's an under 17 tournament, so maybe somebody in the comments can help me out here. Uh, but anyway, it's a thing. Uh, no, Milk Cup is just giving me lots of pictures. Take word for it. It's totally cup. a thing. Go, go the to Milk Cup. cup. Anyway, I don't know what it's called now. <laughs> but there's an under-17s tournament for the four nations, the, the UK nations. All right, so we've got two more um, questions from the Twitter Q&A. So I've got a, a Belder one from the Northern Rivers CSE from Pete Lacey. I'm in Twitter jail for abusing a Tory. It's the best way to start a message here. I love it. Um, question is, will it ever stop fucking raining? So, <laughs> I'd Where's hope that so. from? In the UK, it's I guess, up, in Scotland. No, he's in Australia, so I'd assume he's I up. Northern Rivers oh, would be. probably be northern, northern New South Wales, I would assume. That's, ah. that's my guess. But yeah, it's um, yeah, good question. I hope, hope so. Otherwise, you know, get a canoe, you're laughing. 
I'd love some rain right now. The humidity here is disgusting. I just need a good thunderstorm just to clear it out. Yeah. Best question of the lot for you here from Connor Carr. Sean, what's mm-hmm. better, Tim Tams or Tunnock's Tea Cakes? <laughs> uh, oh, far out. Um, for anyone in Scotland that doesn't know, Tim Tam is basically a penguin biscuit, but a bit better. Uh, Those biscuits are sex in a, in a biscuit, mate. It's the nicest way to sum them up. Tim Tams, they're, just, they're magical. A Tim Tam, if it gets wet, is still retrievable. A tunnocks, if it gets wet, is dead. So I guess that's less relevant in Australia. I have to say a Tim Tam tastes better, but a Tim uh sorry, a tunnock wafer tastes better, but a Tim Tam has got you know, it's got the durability that a tunnocks wafer doesn't. I've got a question for you then, Sean, off that. Tunnocks tea cakes, I love them. Tim Tams to me though. Better, especially the double coat ones, they're amazing. But with the Tunix ones, the tea cakes, with the marshmallow inside of them, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys back in Scotland do what we do? There's a biscuit over here called a crown, and it's like biscuit at the bottom, jam. It's pretty much a tea cake. Do you guys smash them on your forehead to crack them and then eat them or not? Or is that just an I've Australian never, thing? Never seen anyone do that, no. Okay, that's an Australian thing. <laughs> what was uh was Lee Griffiths not eating them in some mad way on the bench at one point? Oh yeah, I think he may have done that. Yeah. Uh no, I've never never seen that, no. Crack them on the forehead and you eat them. Apparently there was a thing where the the fighter pilots in World War Two couldn't have the tea cakes because if they took it up in the plane when the air pressure changed, it would explode in the, the cockpit because of the expansion. Well then, um <laughs> You wouldn't want anyway, to. Random yeah, that's, fact. That, that's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. I just killed that conversation. No, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd want to make sure you ha- don't you haven't eaten any. Oh, that's true, yeah. You don't want it in your belly when that happens. You wouldn't have the expansion in your stomach. You'd, you'd go from a size 8 or, you know, a medium to an XL or something like that just in the plane as well. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. We've got to the point where we just we're just talking absolute crap now. So, uh, well, we do that every week, Jared. But you're right; we've descended away from football. We've got to that a lot earlier because you know there's uh, been bugger all games. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to the women's team played at Celtic Park on the I think it was on the weekend four 0 win against uh, Hibs. Good turnout there. Tops are off in the sun again. Happy days. The more games yep. the girls are playing in actual Glasgow and at Celtic Park, the better. So happy with I didn't, that. I didn't see the attendance numbers, but it looked good. There was a the whole sections they opened, a few hundred there. Looked good. Yeah. You had the uh you know, over in the north curve there was some people in there as well. Oh, was there? Okay. Yeah, so there was it's quite a few in there when you see the wide shots. I don't know how many of the stands they opened, but what I saw it looked decent. Yeah, maybe they cracked four figures then. Because you usually only get two hundred or something for a women's game at most. Oh well, let's go up, update. What is it, Barrowfield? Then fix that up. Get yeah. a little stand in there, and the girls can play out of there. Then perfect. Well, they and need to. Be- when you look at the crowd as well, it's all it's all families, you know, it's all kids. So you need to make it a day out. Do you know what I mean? It can't be just about the football if you're waiting to take yeah. the kids along. You know. So if they went the way like A League's done in particular, like I'm just doing it from my experience, and you went down to Barrowfield, you did up, you had a little 
5,000 seater or something down there or 10,000 seater down there you could use for the, the lowland league slash Colts. And you could also use that for the women's team. And then on one of the side things, you set up like we have a thing like Melbourne Victory, my my club, and they have what they call Victory Village next door and before the game. And you go there and it's like there's food trucks and there's, mm. you know, all that sorts of ball school things you can do. And I, so kids go out and just cut stick, run a muck over there. If they had something like that, it's a fun day yeah. out for the family. Yeah, beat the goalie, all that sort of thing. It's not hard to set up. It's just takes a big inflatable like a dartboard and you've got to kick the ball and try and get bullseyes on it. I had a crack at that the other day and almost landed on my ass. (laughs) Was this before you injured yourself putting your glasses on? Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely Uh, before that. Yeah, man, you could definitely do something about it. I decided that it would be a great idea to, you know, poke myself in the eye and injure myself. So good fun. (laughs) <laughs> anyway so well um thanks everyone for tuning in if you haven't already done so please like our instagram and twitter at celtic down subscribe to our youtube channel and hit the notification bell for future shows uh you can get our website www.celticdownunder.com and if you're on facebook please like our like our page and join our facebook group Sean, I'll throw to you for your final thought. As usual, my final thought is a joke. Um, where does Joe Biden uh, keep his armies when it's cold? In his sleeveys. In his sleeveys, yeah. You knew the punchline. <laughs> yes, I got joke. one once. <laughs> All I wanted to say is um, in Melbourne today, there's a... a I'm going at the moment. There's a big memorial service for Shane Warne, the Australian cricketer, absolute sporting icon. And um, yeah, just again, the Warne family through his um, Daffabet connections and that, and through Andrew, were Celtic fans. So if any of them ever do listen, which I find highly doubtful, but if they ever do, just my condolences again and uh, RIP Warney, the king of spin. Mm-hmm. After that, how hail everyone, stay safe and. Uh, Mona Salik, let's get this win on uh, the weekend in the derby and, you know, put more pressure on them. Give them that battering that I wanted. Yes. Come on. Fingers crossed. How, how? How, how? Job